This is a bonus episode of Making Sunday Happen, the new normal leading your team into uncharted territory with Phil Cook. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, welcome to this bonus episode of Making Sunday Happen. We are releasing a few bonus episodes of the podcast all about the new normal. So information and ideas for opening your church building back up. This week I welcome my friend, church media consultant Phil Cook. Phil and I have been involved with the National Religious Broadcasters Convention together for a long time. Uh, He's an author, speaker, media producer. Uh, Phil is one of those guys that the conversation just comes really, really easy. We're passionate about the same stuff, and we could uh, talk about church world and church media uh, stuff all day long. Uh, I asked Phil to to come on uh, and talk with me mainly about how to lead your team through this crazy uncharted territory uh, as we navigate our way back to reopening our churches. So what does the new normal look like when it comes to leading our teams? Uh, We also talked about ways to communicate your church's welcome back plans, why you should advertise your church more right now, uh, the importance of both your in-person and online gathering, your volunteers, and more. So we're going to jump right in. Here is my interview with Phil Cook. Check this out. Hey guys, today I welcome my friend Phil Cook. He's a media producer, consultant, and author. Phil, what's going on, man? Hey, I am thrilled to be here. This is really fun, Carl. I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to have a really interesting time. Anything that'll get me out of my house for a while during this shutdown is a great thing. I hear you. So uh, a few months ago, I uh, we did an interview together in your suite at NRB. Yep. And uh, man, honestly, it feels like 10 years ago since I talked <laughs> to you. It does. I, I, I just, I've, I've apologized to God for ever complaining about traveling too much. I, I, I know. can't wait to get out of here and get on an airplane. I know, man. I know. I, I feel you. Uh, all right. Give me a temperature check from where you are. Uh, so this podcast, as of this recording, is going to air in probably a week or two. So the world could fall apart uh, <laughs> between now and when it airs. But right now, we're kind of in a bridge territory where yeah. we're going from 100% online, making steps to reopening, and then considering how does my in-person gathering and my online gathering what kind of energy do I need to pour into both? We're kind yeah. of in this middle ground area. So give me a temperature check of what, where you are and what you're talking to churches about. Well, what I'm hearing from churches, and then certainly what I'm sharing with churches, is this is not the time to take your foot off the gas when it comes to your live stream. What's interesting is now, before the lockdown, Carl, we probably had, you know, we've been doing helping churches with the live streaming for years and years. And before the lockdown, we had three or four churches that were literally making as much as a third of their total income just from their live stream audience. In fact, I had one pastor we've worked with call me last summer and said that Sunday, his his live stream audience gave more financially than his 6,000 member church. But to make that happen, you have to be intentional about treating them the same as you treat your congregation. Welcome them to the service. Uh, Engage with them. Don't just, you know, leave them out there. And they start to feel like they're a campus and they're part of it. So as we come out of this crisis, I'm encouraging pastors, 
this is not the time to let up because a, a uh, online congregation, which is what they are, um, can be a powerful, powerful tool. It can be a powerful outreach. And I think we just need to continue doing that no matter what happens on the other side of this crisis. Yeah, I've been saying the same thing. We can get into a little bit more of this later, but but I think a lot of churches have considered in the past their online experience is just a camera in the back of the room. Yes. Uh, where if you were to open up a new campus at your church, you wouldn't just put the building up there and walk away. Yeah. Like you would pour energy into the experience. You would take your audience on a journey from parking lot to parking lot. So the same kind of thing here. You're taking your yeah. audience on a journey from when they turn on that stream to when you leave. Do you agree? I actually had a pastor that tell me he dropped his life before the shutdown. He dropped his live stream because he was only having 15 or 20 people watch. And I said, Hey, if 15 or 20 new visitors came to your church on Sunday, you would roll out the red carpet. You'd go down and meet them. You'd talk with them. You'd welcome them, make them feel like a million bucks. So why don't we do that with 10 or 15 or 20 people that are watching online? So it's not a matter of starting small. I think if you just engage and treat them like a legitimate conversation and be intentional about the relationship, it will grow and you'll just see some amazing things happen. Well, one of the recent blog posts that you've written is on uh, how to lead your team through uncharted territory. And we're definitely in that. (laughs) I mean, nothing is normal uh, right now. Um, So I'd love to talk with you a few minutes about that. Give me an overview of how we've kind of completely gone off the map as it relates to leading our teams effectively. Well, it's interesting. This is the first time in history, you know, staying on the subject of the live stream thing. uh, This is the first time in history that 100% of the congregation is now on the other side of that camera. Used to be, as you said, we just set up a camera in the back of the room and said, hey, here's what our service is like if you want to watch. But right now, everybody's there. And so leading becomes a whole different experience because we're not connected like we were. We're not seeing people in the office anymore like we were. We're certainly not seeing congregation people at all. So I think how we, sh- how we lead our churches, how we lead ministries, nonprofits, is having to really shift during this particular time. Plus, I think this is an accelerant to moving into the digital world. You know, so many pastors have just told me, leading up to this shutdown have told me, well, Phil, I don't mind doing the online thing, but that's not real ministry. I don't think that's real ministry. I think those guys have changed their mind in the last four or five weeks. Mm -hmm. But it's also good to remember that the digital realm is not a matter of just videotaping what you do in the physical world and putting it online. The digital world is a whole different experience. I mean, YouVersion Bible app is a great example. When Bobby Grunewald and his team created that, they didn't have a PDF of Bible pages that you've tried to turn online. They created a whole different experience for understanding the Bible and reading the Bible through that app. So that's the way we have to view this. So naturally, leadership has to undergo, I think, that same kind of transition. Do you think we're going to shift to where we don't just go back to the way things were normal? Do you think that, that senior leadership has kind of been pushed in this area of okay, I now see the need to pour energy, resources, time, money, staff into both experiences? Absolutely. I'll give you a great example. Um, In my experience, and probably you would would, uh, say this too, virtually 100% of new visitors will check you out online before they come to visit your church. So why is your website so lame? I'm just shocked that churches put up such junk online for a website. So in my book, if that's the thing, if your website is what ultimately helps them decide whether or not to actually visit your church, 
your website in many ways ought to be the best thing you do. I mean, that's, if that's the key yep. to getting more visitors, make it amazing. So I think that's a good example of the fact that we just have to start realizing that this digital era has changed the way we do ministry. I mean, a good example is Paul. I mean, Paul founded the church off letters. Letters were the dominant media platform of his time. But you know what? They cut through. They did the job. They built the church as we know it. Well, today, there's a whole different array of media platforms out there. And if we don't engage with those, and by the way, Carl, as you know, it's not how we want to reach people. It's how they want to reach us. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to come. They're not going to communicate the way we want them to. They're going to communicate the way they communicate, which means we need to be on Facebook. We need to be on YouTube. We need to be on our church site. We need to be on social media platforms. It's critically important that we understand how people communicate if we're going to be effective today. Yeah, I'm amazed at, at, to your point about churches not keeping their website up. I'm amazed at how the website from yeah. a lot of churches is the dirty closet that we never want to open up for fear that, you know, all yeah. the clothes are going to fall on top of us. Well, you know, I watch, and I'm sure you do, I watch about 10 or 15 live streams every Sunday. I go mm -hmm. up, you know, go to my yeah. home office and I'm studying them and making notes to see how they can improve. And one of the things I've been shocked by is how hard it is to find most live stream services. Good point. You, know, yep. you go on exactly. a church website and it's either a little button way at the top or one church. I went yeah. through five pages, click through five pages to get That's to their right, website. Man. Let me, yep. are there a live stream? Let me tell you, this is the time to make your live stream easy to find. Put it big on the home page. Make it a splash screen. Um, don't yep. don't make it difficult for people to find you. That's just it's yeah just yeah. Corrupt. One thing I've, I've been pushing too is even when you go to that uh, your live stream page, even yeah. during the week, it needs to be kept up. Uh, like yes. don't go up and I should not see errors and offline and off the air and that sort of thing. It needs to be kept up, put a placeholder video that says, Hey guys, welcome. We're going to be live on Sunday morning at 11 AM. Can't wait for you to join. I mean, like it needs to be kept up. Very, very important that it be kept up. Is there anything else that you've seen from churches? Have you I, yeah, the other thing about your website is that, you know, Google, as you know, there's a, it's, it's getting more complex, the algorithms about how they move you up in a search. But one of the factors is, how much change happens on your site. So for instance, if your website, nothing ever happens on it, it's never gonna come up very high in a search. But if you're constantly updating it, like you say, fixing it, updating it, adding new material, uh, putting new announcements on there, maybe connecting it to your blog, the more a website has changed and updates, the more likely it is to come up in a search. So you yep. want that, I mean, we live in a search world. If you don't come up in a Google search, you don't exist. And yeah. so I think that little things like that can make a huge difference in the way a church is perceived, found, and hopefully visited in the future. Yeah, I agree. All right. So let's come back to the idea of leadership and how to lead my teams well. So how does my credibility as a leader matter a whole lot now, matter more than ever? That's a great question. I'll tell you, when we're in uncharted territory, when we're in a period like that, where we're off the map, and by that we mean, when, when you and I are talking about that, just for viewers and listeners, I think uncharted territory means we don't have anything to compare this to. During this COVID-19 shutdown, we've never been in a situation like this before, particularly with churches and ministry organizations. So when we're off the map, when we have no benchmarks, nothing to, to compare it to, your credibility as a leader matters more than ever. Let me tell you, when we're in uncharted territory, nobody cares about your title. Nobody cares about the size of your office. Nobody cares about where you are in the organizational chart. They want to know, do you have a plan for getting us out of this mess? And so you're, you should be thinking about 
What does my experience have to say about this? What about my research and study? What, what are all those things added up? What do they say about me as a leader? And, I, and I'll say this, Carl, this is important, that I don't think leaders, um, leaders are not born in a crisis. They're discovered in a crisis. A crisis is not the time to become a leader. If you haven't done the preparation and the planning and the development to be a leader, when a crisis happens, it's a little too late for that. But you can be discovered in a crisis if you're ready, prepared, and step up. So credibility really matters. Don't fall back on your job title. So many pastors and leaders, I think, fall back on a job title or, you know, the size of their church, the size of their ministry. I'll tell you, in a crisis, the best ideas win, and you need to be that person. So speaking on that, give me some pointers on, as a leader, how can I listen to anybody in the organization? Maybe not just my right-hand guy, but the best idea might come from the janitor. That's true. That's a great follow-up. I've been on many film sets as a director and a producer where we would get to a scene and we could not figure out how to make it work. I mean, the director of photography, the other producers, the writer, we just, for some reason, it just wasn't working and we had no answers. And lo and behold, out of nowhere, an assistant's assistant, the lowest person on the food chain on the crew, stepped up and had the answer and saved the scene. And I learned years ago that, let me tell you, I don't have to take all their ideas. I don't have to listen to everything they have to say, but I'm open to anybody who's got an idea that will help us get to the next level. So, you know, leaders very often hunker down with the closest group around them, the executive pastor, the youth leader, whatever, and that's okay. But you also need to be open. John Maxwell says a leader needs to walk through the factory. That means he needs to go to the loading dock. He needs to go to wherever, you know, wherever his, whatever his company does. Listen to everybody. Get to know them. Talk to them because they're the people on the front lines. And when I think of front lines in ministry, I often think the, the greeters, the ushers, people who are talking to people every day during the service. What do they have to say? So I just think it's important to start listening. And here's the thing. You, you never know where that next great idea is going to come from. And that next great idea could be your roadmap out of this mess. So learn to listen. What about ditching my assumptions or maybe the importance of uh, saying that I'm wrong, being yeah, wrong? That's hard for leaders to do. But in a crisis, let me tell you something. As I said, we're off the map. We don't know what we're doing. So you're likely to make some mistakes. We're likely to, to make a decision or launch a strategy that doesn't work out. Here's the thing leaders really fear that people will lose trust in them, lose confidence in them if they start admitting they've made a mistake. But it's exactly the opposite. Research, and my, certainly my experience, indicates that you win trust when you become honest, when you become authentic. In fact, um, Ed Catmull, who was the former president of Pixar Animation and Disney Animation, said, when we're in a film project, we need to admit our mistakes early enough that we can change course and still make our deadline. So it's not about waiting as long as you can. I've known some ministry leaders that rather than admit they were wrong, they'd rather see the organization crash and burn. They just refuse to admit they were wrong. But I think we need to step up. And the truth is, maybe it sounds ironic, but the truth is people trust a leader who is willing to admit his, admit his mistakes. I think it's Craig Groeschel at Life Church that said, um, you know, people are not looking for a leader who's perfect. They're looking for a leader who's real. And so reality means admitting your mistakes, being willing to change, listen to other people. And I'll tell you, it will, it will reap a great harvest down the road. So let's get into some communication. So obviously right now we're kind of in this bridge of it's very important for me as a church leader or the communications guy at my church to communicate clearly our next steps. How are we 
welcoming back people? What are our, our steps? Give me some tips on communication, both now and maybe post COVID. That's a great, great question. And, and I, I always tell pastors, your live stream on Sunday is only the start. Uh, what I encourage people to do is pick up the phone, just pick up your phone and do an Instagram live, do a Facebook live a couple times a week. Let people know what's going on. Share your vision about when we're going to open up, how we're going to open up. I think it's so important that you communicate with people, particularly now when you can't see them on Sunday, not yet. Communicate now through this. You can do it in a multitude of ways. As you know, the minute you go live on Facebook or Instagram, they send a notification out to all your followers. It's just a great way. And, and I've seen guys like Dudley Rutherford up here at Shepherd Church here in L.A. who's been doing this, and he'll interview other pastors once a week or maybe sometimes twice a week. He'll interview other influential pastors on Instagram, and they just have a conversation. How's your church? What's your strategy? What's your planning? They're getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of viewers to those things. Also, Dudley, I'll use him as another example. He did a great job releasing a video on Facebook just this week about what his plans are for how Shepherd Church is going to open, the process they're going to go through, when they're going to do it, how they're going to do it. And I'll tell you, little things like that really mean a lot to a congregation member. You can't imagine um, what it means to hear my pastor has the vision. He's going to follow through with this and he's sharing it now on social media. So I encourage pastors, you know, you cannot over communicate when it comes to a crisis time. Uh, certainly you can in normal circumstances, but when in a crisis, people really need to hear from you. And let me just throw in, if you happen to pastor a really small church, pick up the phone and call them. You know, you, you, you forget the power of a phone call, a pastor calling a church member. That can be so encouraging, so inspiring, so motivating. So if you can, pick up the phone. Or if it's a bigger church, have your volunteer team or your leadership team. Give them all 50 people and say, hey, you go call these people and just tell them we love them. We're thinking about them. Pray for them. Make such a difference just to connect with people like that. One thing I've seen that I've really appreciated, and this might not work in every context, is like Andy, Andy Stanley especially, and his wife have been using humor a lot on their Facebook uh, videos. Um, have you seen anything uh, like that is very creative in the way that we communicate? Yeah, there's a number of pastors out there that are doing some really interesting stuff. And, and I, I saw, and, and ministry leaders too, I saw Christine Kane did a really, really cute thing about paddleboarding. Uh, and I, she was talking about how during this time for her to go out in the bay and paddleboard really, really makes a big difference. And I responded and said, I've paddleboarded. I find no joy in doing that whatsoever. And she came back to me and we had a little conversation about it. So I think showing, you know, we forget that social media is social and we need to be having these conversations. I, I told a pastor one time, he had never ever, you know, he'd posted on Facebook, but he'd never actually gone back and engaged with anybody that responded to him. And I said, try it. So the first person, the first lady he responded to on Facebook, she, her next post was, oh my gosh, my pastor just talked to me on Facebook. This is the most amazing, amazing church I've ever been to. She went nuts. You can't pay for that kind of PR. So get out there and engage with people, talk to them, particularly during a crisis. You know, people are losing their jobs. They're worried about their finances. What is my family going to do? How will I survive this? This is the best time you could ever think of to just start engaging with people casually. It doesn't have to be fancy. Just engage with them, and it makes such a huge difference. So what do you think about the gradual approach back in? Maybe a, a staged yep. reentry plan. Maybe it's, you know, drive up church first, and then a limited seating situation, and then kind of easing our way back in. No children's church, right? Uh, uh, children's ministry right now, that kind of thing. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? 
it's certainly the most popular thing that I've seen. And I've talked to hundreds, hundreds of pastors over this, over the last few weeks about this. And what I'm seeing uh, is that it's not going to be a legal thing. Ultimately, it's going to be a behavior thing. So no matter if it was, if, if you know, the, the mayors and the government, the governor said, fine, go, go to church. That's not going to fill your church up. People are going to be nervous about coming back. So the first thing I would say is in your excitement and encouragement about people wanting to come, don't make people that are uncomfortable with coming feel embarrassed. Don't shame them. This is not the time to say, hey, if you don't have the guts to show up at church, you don't love God. That's the stupidest right. thing you could possibly do. They're understandably uncomfortable. Make them feel just as welcome as everybody else. A lot of churches that I'm talking to are doing outdoor services first. It's a perfect time of year in most places in the country. And I know Tony Miller at the Gate Church in Oklahoma City is having outdoor services. He said, you know, people feel comfortable in Walmart or Home Depot because they're moving around. But in the confined spaces of a church, you could be sitting next to somebody that you're just, they look kind of sick and you get nervous about it, but you can't get up and leave. He said, outdoors, you've got plenty of exits. It's open air. You can have a space in the back for people to sit in their cars if they'd rather do that. And so he's starting doing open air services like that. And so that might be a way. But I also think, I know Lakewood Church, there's a number of churches around the country that are in theaters. Lakewood Church was the former home of the Houston, uh, of the, of the Houston Rockets basketball team. So they all have numbered seats already. And so a lot of churches are that way. And so they're actually going on Eventbrite type sites and, you know, doing $100 groups. I mean, 100 person groups or 200 person groups, whatever the number that the state will allow. So there's a lot of different ways people are doing it. And I think that's the way to do it. The key is it's going at the pace of the people, not going in the pace of the pastor. Every pastor obviously wants to get his church full again. I get that. But I think we need to just relax a little bit. Um, and and I'll, I'll say, Carl, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. I had a pastor... 900-member church, African-American congregation in, in Alabama. He, pastor called me the other day. We're old friends. He called me and he said, I have to tell you something. He said, since we've been shut down, he said, before the shutdown, we had 28 people who had subscribed to our YouTube channel. He said, now we have 23,000 people subscribed to our YouTube channel. He said, my Easter message has been seen by 1.5 million people. He said, we've had hundreds of thousands of people watching all of our services. He said, I feel guilty saying it, but I'm not in a real hurry to get back into the church. We're impacting more people than we've ever impacted in the history of our, our, our church building. So yeah. I, I think the key thing is to remember, just take your time. Don't rush it. Uh, let's go at the pace of the people. You've talked about uh, advertising more, that this is a perfect time for churches to, to advertise. What do you mean by that? Well, study after study, it's really interesting. In, in the business world, a lot of studies have indicated that companies that advertise and continue to promote themselves during a crisis are the companies that are best positioned to come out of it, and they do the best in the long term. And, and I take that to think maybe churches could do the same thing. Most churches are pulling back. I, I know we don't think of ourselves as competition with other churches. However, we would like people to come to visit our church. So most churches are pulling back during the crisis. This may be your moment to step up. And it could be a newspaper ad. It could be radio, local radio or TV commercials, whatever it is, maybe boosting your social media posts or doing some social media ads. But whatever it is, I think um, this, you know, the runway is pretty empty right now. And this would be the time to get your church name out there. Even if you're doing outreaches, make sure the logo, the church logo is on the side of the van or the side of the truck mm -hmm. you're working with. Um, and because what you want ultimately is as we come out of the crisis, you want your church to be on the forefront of people's minds. 
and they're more likely to visit you if that perception is a really positive thing. So think, yeah. I just encourage churches of any size, think in terms of how you get your name out there right now, because I think it will have long-term consequences. Well, as we wrap today, talk about volunteers for a second, uh, the, the importance of leading volunteers. Uh, like one, one, one uh, thing that I've suggested is take your hospitality team, your gre- parking lot people, your uh, door greeters, that sort of thing, and turn them into a hospitality team online. So make them, turn your greeters into chatters, put your That's pastors right. in the chat, that kind of thing. Um, so talk to me about uh, that and the importance of leading volunteer, volunteers well. Well, I, I really think that our hidden resource, um, probably our most effective weapon during this, this shutdown is our volunteers. But most pastors just think of volunteers in terms of the physical building. And uh, yet we don't realize that we could activate them just as you say. We could act, activate them online. We could ask them to start calling church members, get mm-hmm. them motivated and excited about coming back. There's so many things volunteers could do, even now, starting to get your building ready. We know that we're going to want to change certain things about how we you know, disinfect things and sanitize things and how we want to get people in and out, more exits and get people, you know, offering masks or whatever. Um, Now's the time to start planning that and thinking about that. So I would really encourage, maybe you need to do a Zoom call with your volunteer team, start kicking around ideas for what we should be thinking about now. So when the doors do open, we're ready, but there's no question that your hospitality idea is brilliant. I love that idea because that can happen right away. Right. Well, man, you're you're in Hollywood, and I found it interesting that uh, the church right now is producing more content than Hollywood. So Ooh. are the are the uh, obviously the, the the streets are are empty your way? Are yeah. No no film <laughs> trucks riding around, huh? I can look out my home office here, look across the valley from I'm in Burbank where I'm at, and see Walt Disney Studios, Universal Studios, Warner Brothers Studios, the Cartoon Network. Uh, and more, and they're just literally shut down. I mean, they're just shut down. I, my wife and I were talking at breakfast this morning that we're expecting to see an awful lot of reruns in the fall because they haven't been in production on any any programs. And so it's funny that when Hollywood is shut down, the church has really stepped up, and we're creating more content, more certainly more uh, programming than Hollywood is doing right now. And I just think that's that's a remarkable thing to reflect on, and mm-hmm. it's going to have an impact in the culture. And by the way. We know that not only are the live stream viewers way up, but the viewers of Christian television programming and radio programming are way, way up. So this is the time as Christians, if you ever had an idea for a television program or some, you know, an online show, this is the time to step up because we know more people are watching. They're concerned. They're looking for hope. They're looking for answers. This is the time, I think, to get our voice heard. Well, speaking of that, media guys, communications people, they're really unsung heroes right now in church world, totally. don't you think? Totally. I'm, I'm telling pastors. In fact, I had a pastor call me the other day, and he said, you know, Phil, I love missions. I love our educational outreaches. I love all the work that we do as a church, but if it wasn't for my communication and media team right now, I would be out of business. Our church would not exist. And I know many of these communication leaders have been working day and night for weeks and weeks and weeks. In fact, Dan Wathen, our executive producer here at Cook Media Group, our, our production company, uh, mentioned the other day, he said, Phil, as I look at most of these social media feeds of church communication teams and media teams, I can tell they're really tired. He said, they're exhausted. Yeah. And he said, maybe you need to do a blog post or start talking to pastors about giving these guys a break because they certainly deserve it. And so I'm just grateful for every communication media person at a church because they've really gone above and beyond. They really have. Uh, well, man, thank you so much for your time. My best to your to your lovely wife, and I uh, hope you guys are 
remaining to be uh, safe. And, uh, man, can't wait to, uh, to see you on the road again. Well, thank you, Carl. I've enjoyed it. This has been a great time, and I love what you're doing. Y'all take care. Yeah, thanks, man. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Well, hey, guys, as I leave you today, I want you to be sure to check out all of our resources for helping you craft your online worship experiences at 1230.media forward slash church online. 1230.media forward slash church online. There's a fantastic uh, book there called The Church Online Guide that is a really, really comprehensive handbook on how to craft your online worship experiences. Also, our entire Church Online Tips web series is there absolutely free for you to check out. 1230.media forward slash church online. We'll continue to create amazing worship experiences at your church, both in person and online this week. I love you guys. I'll see you next time. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.